Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. It is Friday. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. We're now just one day away, of course, from Arsenal's third Premier League game of the season. Can they make it nine points from nine against Fulham at the Emirates tomorrow? We're going to talk about that in today's episode. And as you can see, I'm not on my own today. I'm joined by my good friend and the Daily Telegraph's excellent uh, sports reporter, aka Arsenal man, Sam Dean. How are you getting on, Sam? All good? All good, mate. Good morning. Good morning to you. Now, before we get into this, of course, if you're watching my videos over the last sort of week, so you know that I've got to start with the usual plug for a certain book that is coming out in six days now. We're under a week away. Unbelievable. I'm uh, excited, stroke nervous, all mixed into one. You can see on the right there, if you're watching this on YouTube, the flyer for the event on the 31st at the Tollington the book signing night and the man joining me on the screen at the moment, Sam Dean, is going to be there as well. He is part of the panel with me and Gunner Blog to, uh, as part of the night to, you know, talk Arsenal, have a nice in conversation type thing and then open new questions to the audience. So if you're down in North London or in the London area, please do come down, join me and Sam, be involved in what should be a fun night of Arsenal chat. Champions League draw as well. It's going to be on the screen. So you're going to be able to watch some of that as well earlier on in the evening um and sam dean i see if you're watching him on twitter yesterday please do follow sam i'll put the link to his uh, twitter down below in the description it's got a very advanced copy you lucky lucky thing sam i would expect in the 24 hours or so you've had this book you've read it from front to back by now uh, not, not not quite although i do have a long train to uh, east london today so uh i'm looking forward to getting stuck in in, in just a few hours charlie just I'm, a few I'm, hours. I'm, I'm I'm hurt, Dino. I'm hurt that you haven't read it all yet. 
<laughs> well, anyway, the uh, yeah, hopefully you're going to enjoy it, mate. And uh, a lot of people say the cover is good, and uh, unfortunately, it probably all goes downhill from there. But <laughs> I hope you enjoy it, mate. And uh, yeah, I'm very eagerly awaiting everyone else getting their hands on it next Thursday. Right, let's talk about Arsenal, and um, we've got some interesting transfer stuff to talk about a little bit later on. But I just wanted to start on the big news that came out yesterday that we saw. Gabriel Jesus back in training. Now, Sky had their cameras down there, Dino. I'm sure you probably saw it. And we saw Gabriel Jesus walking out with the rest of the squad. And when I saw that clip, I I, I have to admit, I thought, brilliant, first of all. Fantastic news for Arsenal, for Arteta. What a boost that is. A little bit earlier than possibly a lot of us expected. But I, th- I figured he was just going to be, you know, coming out, might do the stretches, the warm-up with the rest of the squad. But it was more than that. He was actually in full contact training yesterday, if, as, as these pictures are on screen show. I mean, that's a really big boost. Were you expecting him to come back? quite so soon after that knee operation? Um, well, the issue with these knee injuries is that the club are always very reluctant to put specific sort of times on them when they're going to come back. But with Jesus, we always knew it was a case of weeks rather than months. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was told that possibly around the first international break would be would be a, a likely target point, um, in which case he seems to be a bit ahead of schedule now. Although what I would say is that Zinchenko was in was in a, was in training for probably a good week and a half, ten days before actually making it back onto the pitch. So just being in training is is not an indication, for example, that he's going to be ready tomorrow. I think that's very very unlikely indeed. But it's certainly a good sign. And I remember talking to people around um, his previous knee injury last season, obviously the much more serious one he suffered at the World Cup. And one thing everybody said to me was that the way he is as a character is that if someone says to him, right, it's, it's two weeks until you're running again, he'll say no, 10 days. If someone says it's two months before he's back on the pitch, he'll say no, a month and a half. Like he's always looking to, to push those boundaries and, and sort of exceed expectations in that sense. So based on that, it's not really a surprise that he is by, you know, from what we see yesterday and on this evidence, slightly ahead of schedule. Although what I would say is that the schedule has never been nailed down to any of us publicly, I don't think, or indeed privately. But but yeah, this is certainly good news for Arsenal. And it looks like, as you say, the full contact training, getting a whack from Ben White, that kind of thing can only help. And with, with this knee injury as well, I think it was, from what I was told, it was more just to do with sort of minor complications based on his, his knee operation last year. So it's not like a whole new, brand new injury. And if you remember, he played against Barcelona and played extremely well in uh, in the final preseason game in Los Angeles. So... It's not like he was sort of stretched off or anything like that. Um, so I don't think it's severe or serious. So, and also because he had pre-season, his, his base level fitness will be quite high. I remember when he came back last year, when he came back at Fulham, I remember it took a few weeks for him to get really sharp again and, and look at it in his best condition. So that shouldn't be an issue this time. And obviously the, the hope now, touch wood for everyone from Arsenal's side in Brazil and Gabriel Jesus is that there are no more complications with this knee because knees are tricky. Yeah, they certainly are. As someone who's got a torn meniscus at the moment, I can uh, I can <laughs> agree to that. Um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on Mikel, isn't it? You just don't want to rush him back. I mean, it's great that he's here, fantastic. But the last thing you want to do is rush him back. And, you know, Arsenal obviously started with two wins. They do have options up front. Eddie, although just mentioning this, I know it winds a lot of people up. In my view, Eddie has started the season very well. He scored a goal. I thought he was excellent against Crystal Palace, even though he missed a couple of chances. So you don't really need to rush Jesus back, but just having him there, having him around the squad, I think it's going to be such a big boost to everyone. And I remember last season when he did come back from that knee injury and he'd been in training for a little bit and Mikel would 
kind of erred on the side of caution a little bit. And then he said in one of the presses, didn't he, that he kind of looked in Jesus' eye or no, it wasn't that. He said he, said he started to cause chaos again on the training pitch. And that's when he decided that's it. He, he's ready to come, to come back. And Jesus said, I feel ready. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I can't imagine he's going to risk him tomorrow. It just feels like it'd be, it'd be far too soon. And then we've got, what, a week before United and then the international break, isn't it? So I don't think there's any there's any reason for Arsenal to rush Jesus, but fantastic that he's back nonetheless. Okay, let's talk about transfers now and outgoings because this has kind of been, we've been waiting for this to kind of kickstart. I mean, what we've got a week today is transfer deadline day and we've been waiting all summer for Arsenal to really kick into gear when it comes to moving players. And at the, at the sort of forefront of that has been Balogun. It's a move we've been expecting to happen. Monaco have always kind of felt like they've been at the front of the queue for it. Certainly for the last month or so, there's been, you know, we know that Chelsea and Tottenham have been sort of lurking in the background and maybe Fulham have been looking at it. But Monaco always felt like the most likely option. And now that appears to be happening. You know, it's not done yet, but it is is very, very close to it happening. We've got a picture on the screen here of the story that you've written um, about it. And it should well end up being a club record transfer fee for Arsenal, which is pretty remarkable really because it's going to be around the sort of 35 to 40 million pound mark and you think a club like Arsenal that club record transfer fee just seems a bit mad really given some of the players that they've had but I mean I think it's a good move Dino I'm sure I, for, for him I think it's a great move I think Monaco is a really good club he's obviously done it in France and it's a historic club and I think he'll go there and play if it had gone to a Chelsea for example he's far from guaranteed to be playing this feels like the right move for him at this stage of his career and for Arsenal it feels like the right move because let's face it as much as a lot of people wanted Balogun to play he only had two years left on his deal he wasn't going to sign a new deal he didn't want to go out on loan they had to sell really this summer it was you know it always felt inevitable they were going to have to do it so how do you how do you sort of sum up this deal now that it's kind of on the verge of happening a week before the end of the window I think it's good business. I think it's good business. I mean, I, I should say, and, and as you can see from the way I phrased that tweet, I don't know the precise figure uh, or the structure of the deal. I think that's because that's still being discussed as, as yeah. we speak, but it's getting very close. What I would say is that sort of very reliable reports in France have said about 45 million euros all in, which comes to about 39, 40 million pounds. And for me, that is a really good piece of business for a player who is not part of Arteta's plans and mm. never really has been. I mean, there's no evidence from what we've seen to make, to make you think that Arteta really rates this guy and, and considers him ready to compete with Jesus and, and Eddie and Ketty up front. He's barely featured in pre-season with a sort of minor foot problem. He's, he's not been involved at all so far in this league campaign. And to get £40 million on someone who you don't really want is good business by any measure. And I know there was a lot of talk about the £50 million valuation, but I think clubs often sort of will stick a big price on it to try and drag it up. I don't think it should be looked as a, as a failure for not getting that because, frankly, for me, £50 million for a player of Balogun's experience, and, and let's be honest, he's had one really good season in France and that's effectively it, would be an astonishingly you know, high fee. Um, and I know that people say, well, look at Hoyland going to Manchester United, who scored, I think, nine league goals in Italy last year and cost more than £70 million. And I would say, yeah, that's a crazy fee too. Like, Just because United are mad enough to pay, it doesn't mean that Monaco will be or Chelsea will be or Tottenham will be. Um, and I think also from, from Arsenal's point of view, going to Monaco is slightly lower risk and slightly uh, better way of doing things than going to another Premier League club, certainly a, a London rival. Obviously, the Chelsea interest was, was tentative, but it was there. And frankly, you don't want him spending three or four years at Chelsea and suddenly emerging as 
one of the league's best strikers because it's just the sort of thing that makes our questions be asked of Arsenal and, and Arteta and Edu. So to have him further away in France where he can score loads of goals without people throwing it back in Arsenal's faces, I think is a good thing just from a PR point of view, although mm. that's not the reason they would do it. The, the reason they're going to do it is because it's the best deal for, for them and, and the best move for Balogun. Yeah, I think it's the best of all the possibilities, no doubt, for Arsenal. And um, I do wonder if there's going to be... I'm not sure if there'll be a buyback clause, but I think there'll certainly be a pretty hefty sell-on clause in there if Balogun does sort of explode over there and ends up back in the Premier League, then Arsenal should benefit from that a, a little bit further down the line. And I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, considering we're Arsenal are about a few weeks away from losing Balogun for free just a, a couple of years ago, they managed to convince him to sign a new deal and now they're, they're going to get 40-odd million for him. I think it's a good deal. And the fact he wasn't going to play, I think there's just there was no other option, really. I think he had to go this summer. Arsenal need to bring money in for players and and they've done that and they've bought in a big, big chunk here. So, yeah, I think it was inevitable and uh, I kind of feel like it's good that we're, we're getting to that stage right now with him. Kieran Tierney, um, I mean, where, where I look at the Balogun deal and I think that's a really good deal. I look at Tierney and it's not that I don't think it's a good deal. I think it's a great deal for Kieran Tierney. I think it's a wonderful place to go and play football over in Spain for Real Sociedad. But I'm just, I can't shake the feeling that I'm just so staggered that he hasn't, there's been no Premier League market for Kieran Tierney. I just thought he would be such, I don't know if easy is the word, but you know, I didn't think Arsenal were going to have any problems selling Tierney this summer and getting a good chunk of money in for Tierney this summer. So to basically send him out on loan to Sociedad, which is where he seems to be heading, I'm just a little bit surprised by it. I don't, you know, like I said, I think for Tierney it's great, brilliant place to play football. We've got Champions League football as well. And I can see for Arsenal, it's not the worst because if he goes over there and plays really well, which if he stays injury-free, I think he will. Then he comes back next summer. He's still got two years left on his deal. His value hasn't dropped and Arsenal is still in a, in a good position because his market will there'll probably be a, bit, be a bigger market for Tierney next year than there, there was this summer but I'm just really surprised are you not that a Premier League club hasn't come knocking you know properly for Kieran Tierney yeah completely and, and I imagine that a, a big part of the problem there is his wages obviously he signed a new deal for Arsenal just a couple of years ago and became sort of among the higher earners at the time I imagine that's he's sort of fallen down the ladder since then given the the signings that Arsenal have made and the Champions League bonuses and the new contracts, but at the time he was suddenly one of the key men on on that wage bill, um, and that's obviously difficult for clubs to match. And what I found really interesting was the sort of the Newcastle situation because Newcastle were really interested and have been for months, really dating back right to the spring, if not before. Um, they they based on their squad had to prioritise other positions. They signed Sandro Tonali in midfield, Harvey Barnes up front, and then they went for right back to sort of provide cover for Kieran Shipier. But I still think there was a possibility that they could have come in for, for Tierney on a sort of loan with an obligation to buy or, or loan with an option to buy next summer, which would have helped help their finances in much the same way that the David Ryan deal helped Arsenal's by staggering the payments effectively. Um, and then obviously last week, they switched their attentions to Lewis Hall, um, Chelsea's left back from Academy. And that obviously marked an end of their pursuit of Kieran Tierney. And I think made that very clear to the wider world that he wouldn't be going to Newcastle. And that, I imagine, has strengthened Sociedad's hand because what they're offering, just to see as just a straight loan, is not the sort of thing that Arsenal would have been hoping for at the start of the year. But in the context of what they've got and the lack of interest from 
from other clubs or lack of formal interest anyway from other clubs. And this certainly seems to be the best deal on the table. And for me, for me, if he goes there, plays every game, excels in the Champions League, you know, maybe even gets out the knockout stages, gets to the knockout stages, sorry, in the Champions League, and he could easily be worth 25, 30 next summer for a whole number of clubs because he's a very, very good player. And I think that will become obvious. And he was very obvious when he played for Arsenal. He was a very, very good player. The system changed. It didn't work out for him and the way he plays and the inverted left-back situation is not one that Tierney thrives in. But as a traditional left-back bombing on, I don't think there are that many better in Europe. If you remember just a few years ago, how much the Arsenal fans loved him and how much Arteta loved him. And he was wearing the captain's armband quite regularly in that in that season a couple of years ago. So he's a leader. He's a good player. He overlaps well. He's got a great cross on him. He's really quick. I think he'll excel in Spain and hopefully from Arsenal's point of view, come back next summer with sort of £30 million price tag on his head. Yeah, because he's still got three years left now, so he'll come back next time with two years left, won't he? So Arsenal are in an all-right position. There's no great paddock, I would say, with Tierney. And uh, like you, I, I agree, if he goes and plays well there, then you know his value is gonna, it's, it's not going to drop. And that hopefully there will be a stronger market. I just can't believe... I, I just really wonder why Newcastle went for Lewis Hall rather than Kieran Tierney. It, I mean, if it's... It, I can't think of anything apart from wages, and that's it. But really surprising. Well, that's, 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 that might be it. Yeah, and that's relevant. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's, a big, that's a big part of these things, I'm afraid. Can't, it's, it does make me laugh, though, isn't it? It's like the, the one time Arsenal want to sell a player to a very oil-rich football club. It's like that only oil-rich football club that actually take FFP into account when they're uh, they're doing deals. Very, very typical. Um, well, but anyway, I, just, I, I, just, just quickly, sorry, Charles, just uh, on oil. I mean, how unlucky are Arsenal that this is the summer that Saudi Arabia turned up and not two or three years ago? Yeah, they could have so easily made a load of money off off all those terminations they did a couple of years back. And imagine how desperate Saudi Arabia would have been to sign someone like Mesut Ozil a few years ago. Yeah, that is you very know, very I true. Think the, the the lack of uh, the, the the unfortunate timing there is really a, a killer for Arsenal. And you look at how how Chelsea were able to offload some of their aging high earners like Koulibaly and, and Mendy. <laughs> what Arsenal would have given a few years ago to have that kind of exit route for those players. But hey, that's timing. That's football. Nothing you Nicolas can do Pepe is still here. Yes, he's shiny, shiny Pepe. Get he's yours still, while he's hot. He's still here. Six days to go for Arsenal to get some sort of money out of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, for a player. Let, let's see how they uh, get on. I, I really hope Kieran Tierney does well as well. Like you said, he was so he was such a good player for Arsenal at a time. I mean, we're all tipping him to potentially be captain at one point. Um, and I just hope he goes over there and smashes it because uh, he's, a, he's a very good footballer and I wish him very well indeed. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, just elsewhere, uh, Brooks Norton Cuffey's headed off to Millwall on a season-long loan following a route that Daniel Ballard took not so long ago. It worked out very well for Daniel Ballard, and hopefully it works out well for Brooks, who had a great spell at Coventry last season. So looking forward to seeing how he gets on over there. Um, right, I'm going to sort of move on to some questions and some comments now before we go and turn our attentions to Fulham a little bit. Here's a question here that's come in from uh, Mojo RL236. Zinchenko and Gabriel in for Fulham. Thomas or Rice at the base of midfield. We will cook again. Um what do you think about this, Dino? Personally, for me, if Zinchenko's fit enough to start, Zinchenko starts. I think if he does start, then I do think Gabriel comes back into the team and we might see the sort of Thomas Party right back, whether you call it an experiment or whatever. It's probably more than that. But um, I think if Zinchenko starts and Gabriel comes back in, I can't see Thomas playing at right back. And then it is a choice between Thomas or Rice. I would say I doubt both of them would play in a midfield three against Fulham at home. But who knows? It's very hard to second guess, Mikel, right now. What are your what are your thoughts about um, how Arsenal might line up and whether Zinchenko could well be fit for this one? Yeah, the fact that Zinchenko came off the bench against Palace is obviously a good sign. And I would expect him to start just based on how good he is, basically, and how, how important he, was, he is. To... He was so good in those 10 minutes that he came yeah. on at Palace as well. He was, the, the control Arsenal suddenly got in the game from the moment Zinchenko stepped onto the pitch. And Jorginho, to be fair, and Jorginho yeah. played very, very well. But yeah, those, those just, two played keyboard. They did. They absolutely yeah. played keyboard. It, it was the change, the change in how the game was panning out was amazing when those substitutes yeah. came on. But yeah, sorry, mate. Continue about about it. What I am very, very interested to see is if Sinchenko comes back and if Gabriel does not. Yeah. Because for me, Gabriel's absence from the first two games can be sort of easily explained by. Zinchenko's absence and the way that the structure has changed and that's how Arteta has sort of explained it calling it tactical yeah if Zinchenko comes back in and Gabriel stays out then I think that says quite a lot more about the Gabriel situation and what may or may not be going on with obviously a lot of rumors a lot of talk about interest from elsewhere and possible you know Saudi investment in him which I think would turn anybody's head if if that offer came in and the size of the the salaries they're offering. So that would be interesting if Zinchenko came in and Gabriel didn't. My expectation and my guess would be that Zinchenko does come in, as does Gabriel, and the shapes sort of revert to something a bit more like what we saw for most of last season. And that would, as uh, as Mojo says in the comments, that would lead to sort of party or rice in that, in that holding role. And maybe it's rice as a number eight in the Xhaka position from last season, which he sort of did against Nottingham Forest on that side of the of the midfield and maybe maybe one of them gets benched and, and is used as an impact sub um it'll be interesting to see uh, my gut is that he'll want to stick with Havertz for sure I think Havertz yeah I agree is, is, is he's getting there I, I think Arteta has a lot of ideas around Havertz and 
you could even see on Monday night how many sort of early long balls over the top were played towards him and how many times he shot challenge for the ball in the air, which Arsenal simply haven't had for a long time. So I suspect he'll stick with Havertz and obviously Eddie deserves to start again. So based on that, it would be one of Partey or Rice. But equally, we're two games in and Arteta's already sort of surprised us twice with his with his formation and, and the lineup and the way he's trying to evolve the team and change the way they build up the play. So I certainly wouldn't be uh, certain on any of this stuff, but that would be my guess that it's something a bit more f- familiar and akin to last season's formation. Yeah, we'll end today's show with uh, us both attempting our predicted levels for the game. But you were talking about Havertz now uh, there, and I've got a comment here from Pete. It says, people are bashing Havertz because they want to. It's all unfounded. They're not going to be unbiased. It's frustrating. Most duels won in both games so far. Martinelli threw away what should have been an assist. He's getting great positions without the ball when he's run the most of any player. I think people just don't want to like him because of his time at Chelsea. Support him. He's done everything Mikel wants but people don't want to see it badly. I, I, I think it's a really good comment from Pete. I, I'm really, oh, I was going to say I'm really surprised, but I'm actually not that surprised um, at the sort of level of criticism that Havertz is facing at the moment after his first two games in the Premier League for Arsenal. Because, and I've said this in my last couple of shows, that I just don't think he's done anything wrong. I don't think he's done anything spectacular, Dino, by any means, but I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think he's just been a very solid 7 out of 10 for two games in a row, which... You know, had Granite Xhaka done that for two games last season, no one would have said a, a thing. But because it's Havertz, because of the money that was spent, it's not even the money. I think it's more because it's Havertz than anything else and where he's coming from. That, mm. you know, people are very, very keen to get on his back. And I don't know if you agree with me, but I think Mikel would have been coming away from Selhurst Park on Monday night very, very pleased with the performance that Havertz put in and, and what he offered for the team. I think there's yeah. definitely more more to come from him. And I think there needs to be more to come from him because we don't want to see him just putting in seven out of 10 performances. Obviously, he needs to put in an eight out of 10, a nine out of 10 performance, get a couple of goals and really start to be really influential. But I've seen nothing to suggest that that won't come once he settles in more, once he gets strikes up more of a partnership, more so with Martinelli on that left-hand side. Because he was making some runs against Palace, which weren't being found. You know, so Instead of putting him out wide, Martinelli would cut inside and leave, and leave Havertz sort of hanging a little bit so and Tommy Asu was doing the same so what, what do you think of the sort of criticism that's coming in for Havertz and and Pete's comment here do you think it's a fair one uh, I do yeah uh, and I agree with you about Monday night and some of the passes weren't being played at the right moment and, and the runs weren't being found and I think that's that's probably a wavelength thing and a, a familiarity thing um, and I do wonder how much sort of Zinchenko coming back in on that side of the pitch in that in that unit as Arteta would call it will help have a sort of push on and and really get into the box more and, and get more chances. Uh, in terms of the view of him and, and the fans sort of debate around him already, it, it already feels a bit like Urza again, which yeah. obviously is completely ludicrous. But I think it's something to do with the way Havertz moves and his kind of style. Like he's quite tall, he's quite gangly. He's not like a pocket rocket like Gabriel Jesus, like a bumper car flying into people and knocking them out of the way and shoulder barging. He's more languid and, and sort of relaxed but but that so to the eye maybe he looks like he's not like busting his gut all the time but he obviously is and we can see that from the stats and the amount of jewels he's as, as as Pete puts in the comments the amount of jewels he's competing with the amount of times he's challenging for headers the way he held the ball up uh, after the red card for a bit on, on Monday night I thought was very impressive mm. and also as I said before those runs in behind and getting towards the back post from, from crosses I think are going to throw up a lot of goals and a lot of chances I'm especially keen to see what Havertz can do when he's got Jesus next to him because yeah. I was really struck by being in 
I was lucky enough to be in Los Angeles for the for the Barcelona game in preseason when they started with uh, Trossard, Jesus, and Havertz, I believe. And in the first half, those three rotated positions all the time. At one point, Havertz was left, Trossard was central, Jesus was up top, and some at one point it was Havertz up top, Jesus left. And it the way they fluctuated and, and, and the fluidity there was really interesting. And uh, you can't really do that with Eddie and Ketty because you can't play on the wing quite as well as, as Jesus and and possibly you can't do it as much as Martinelli either. Um compared to Trossard is a bit more versatile. Hmm. But yeah, I'm really keen to see when Zinchenko and Jesus are fit especially, how that how that fits in with, with Havertz and what impact that makes on him. Because let's be honest, when Arsenal signed him, they did so with a team in mind and that team would have included Zinchenko and Jesus, I think, not not Tommy Asu and Eddie and Ketia. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Zinchenko will be really important for him. Some of those situations, certainly that Tommy Asu got in with the ball on Monday night, you know, Zinchenko would have released that ball and found Havertz in that space. He's just that that player who sees that pass. He's clever enough to to do it. So I think he will benefit a lot from Zinchenko. And like you said, Jesus as well. Um, just going back to um, kind of Tierney here, our, the selling players. Like I did a piece, I did a video yesterday and I was talking about, you know, we've basically got eight days to go. You know, we're waiting for this sort of exodus to begin and we we're talking about Edu and the issues of selling players. And a lot, a couple of people here, and I think it's an interesting point, sort of pointing out that it's not really, they don't think it's Edu so much to blame, but it's maybe Arteta's use of players and kind of leaving them out in the cold. At the moment, we're seeing players, these players who are leaving, potentially leaving, training away from the first team squad. You know, for, for buying clubs, you think they're looking at that and thinking, well, we're not going to go in and put a lot of money on the table for these players because they're completely unwanted. And I think there is a fair, I think it's a good argument that over the last couple of years, one area where maybe Arteta needs to work on and improve is making players feel a little bit more involved who are out in the cold, not just for the sake of, you know, them around the training ground, but also Arsenal's attempts to try and sell these players because it just don't make sure they don't, come across as, as unwanted as they, as they really are. Do you think that's do you think that's a, a fair comment on Mikel say, from these two? Yeah, I do to, to an extent. And, and I completely, completely agree that if you were the buying club looking in at someone like Tierney, not even being involved in first team training or not being in the squad, mm. you, you would lowball it. Of course you would. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put 35 million pounds on the table straight away. So I completely agree on that. But my sort of, answer to that is is what's the alternative do you want Arteta to pick players and, and play players who he doesn't think are good enough at this moment and the answer is no because any Arsenal fan would say that the team's results comes first and yes it's an unfortunate consequence of the way that Arteta picks his team that he's quite fixed and he has been ever since he came in he likes a certain I mean even last year he had like a set 11 which he wanted to play at all times and it's only when someone gets injured or suspended that it changes he's never been able to use his squad at in terms of the full depth and he's ever been willing to. But I think that's largely due to the drop-off in quality between the first 11 and and the reserve players over the last yeah. couple of years. That's now starting to change. And if you look at the bench they had in the first two games of this season, it's really, really strong. A lot stronger even, I would say, than Manchester City at the moment, which is obviously quite a remarkable thing to say. But yes, I agree that it doesn't help their value, these players they don't want. But fundamentally... I don't see any alternative unless you want to harm the team's performances. And, and Arteta's job is not to make the most value out of his fringe players, it's to get the most points on the pitch. And yeah, these guys, fair criticism, but what's the alternative is, is my question. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I see that. I kind of agree with that as well. And, you know, Mikel's so ruthless when it comes to just being all about winning. I don't think he probably even thinks about what a player's worth or what it's doing to their value. He just wants, if, it, if he thinks it's going to harm the chances of the team or anything like that, he, he just won't care, will he? He'll just pick what he, who he wants to pick and won't, and won't think about anything else. Um, all right, quickly, before we head off, let's just go. Oh, you got a comment? I'm going to make one more one more comment. Sorry, if you yep. don't mind. Um, Arsenal have spent the last three or four years effectively struggling to sell the players they don't want and therefore haven't raised a huge amount of money through sales. The way to make money, to really make money, is to sell players you do want. And that's the situation they're going to come to at one point because the better they are, the more interest there's going to be from other clubs. And they keep extending these contracts with Saliba and Saka and that's great. That's what the team needs and that's what Arsenal fans want and what Arteta wants. But if if they're going to be truly self-sustainable and that is the plan financially, they're going to have to start generating more money through sales. And to do that, you have to to start selling players who actually have some sort of meaningful impact on the team. Don't know who that is, don't know when it will be, but that is the sort of thing that I think Arsenal fans need to start thinking about. Just don't mention Gabriel. And I know you've been trying to sell Gabriel for the last two years, Dino. But, uh... <laughs> no, I, uh, I object to that comment. <laughs> oh, I don't at all. I remember our private chats about this situation. Um, and uh, uh, I do not want Gabriel leaving his football club a week before the transfer deadline closes. I think be... there's nothing remotely good about that option right now for me. I just do not, no matter what money's on the table, I think it'd be a disaster of a move for Arsenal in a season when they're targeting the Premier League title and return to the Champions League as well. Okay, predicted 11 time before we head off, Dino, because I know that you're on a bit of a time clock at the moment. I'm going to go first and I'm going to get it hopelessly wrong as I always do. And even I'm getting it even more wrong this season because Mikel's actually yeah. doing strange things with his starting 11. But I think... I think, three, three. <laughs> I think I think Ramsdale's in goal. I think we're going to see Zinchenko come back in. I think that's going to mean Gabriel comes back in as well alongside Saliba. And I think Ben White moves back out to right back. I'm going to go with Declan Rice... As the holding midfielder, Kai Havertz and Martin Odegaard in the sort of more advanced roles, and then Saka, Jesus, not Jesus, sorry, Saka, Nketiah, and Martinelli. So that's Ramsdale, um, Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, White, Party, Havertz, Odegaard, Saka, Nketiah, Martinelli. And that is the exact right way, by the way, to name a starting 11 in terms of their positions and where their names should be. Not, I'm not having any argument against that. So, sorry, are you having party holding? No, 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 Bryce holding. Did I say party? Rice on the uh, party on the bench. I think, I think, yeah. I don't think party starts. This is really boring. Can I, can I agree with you? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. really boring. I, I, I actually do, I actually do agree with you, but let's mix it up and say, uh, Havertz up top, Rice in the eight. And party at six. No, he's not doing that against Fulham at home. He's doing that at the Etihad away at Manchester. <laughs> oh, I know. He's no, no way. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just trying to be different. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just agree with me. That's always a good thing to do. All right, Ladino, thank you very much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it as always. And thank you very much for coming on Thursday. I'm really looking forward to sitting down with you and having a good evening of uh, Arsenal chat. Once again, pre-order the book if you can, or if you haven't already, I'll put that in the description below. You can follow Sam. I'll put his link in the description as well and come down and join us both next Thursday at the Tollington if you can. Thank you, Dino. Have a very good day, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. See you later. (laughs) 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.